Welcome to the new bonus series of the Geared for Growth Property Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Mortlock, and we're currently up to the part where we figure out what should we buy. This is part two of four in this series of what should you buy. And today we've got James Rankin, a previous guest on the show, where we're talking about new versus old property, which is a better investment, what risks are associated with both, and what does James think is the best type of property for an investor to purchase. Here's James. James Rankin, thank you for joining me back on Geared for Growth. Yeah, it's uh, it's really good to see you, Mike. And um, yeah, well, <laughs> chat to you again. And, uh, and remotely again, of course, um, we did catch up and I recommend anyone uh, listen to this one, episode 110, um, which came out about November 2020 um, with James. And I'd been meaning to come and visit you in, in Melbourne, but of course, we all know the story uh, yeah, about that one. But we've got you nonetheless. And I wanted to get you as part of this special series where we're going through the investment purchase from start to finish. We're, we're up around the point where we've we've sorted out the finance and we're still sort of doing the feasibility. What what should we buy? You know, is new better than old? Is a house better than apartment? And today I want to talk about new versus old or brand new versus um, established. So um, I know that um, you tend to prefer the, the established properties, but you've also seen some good results from new properties. So what do we need to know when we're weighing up the decisions ourselves? Yeah, look, it is it is one of those um, conundrums that you can come across because there's so much information out there. You know, do you go new and then, you know, is it a spruker? Do they have any sort of, um, are they going to benefit from you purchasing that property or, you know, so it's very, very, you know, so much conflicting information. But from my standpoint, it will always just come back to the client situation and budget. So budget's the, the biggest driver as to where we would purchase. And I got the question this morning from um, one of the guys in our team, where would you buy for 500,000? And it's a very, very difficult situation, like sort of um, proposition because of, because of the market we're in, right? Like everything's just moving so quickly, but you would have a house and land package, sort of my preference is we're in Melbourne, so southeast. Yep. Uh, there's just so much land in the north and the west. It's a very, very long time before those property prices sort of go up because, you know, they just keep selling land. Or do you go and buy an inner city apartment in an, in an older building, like a, a one of 10 or a one of 13 or something like that? Because yep. they're ra- around about the same price, like a one bedroom, one, 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 one bedroom, one bathroom, one car park is probably going to be the same as, you know, a 350 square meter block out in the southeast. Yep. So that's that's sort of what you're, you're left with in terms of what I would choose. I, I think they're both good investments. I think they both have their purpose. And, and so when we talk about 500K, I guess if we're expanding outside of Melbourne, because that, that can be a problem. If you're anywhere near a capital city, 500K doesn't get you much at all. But um, what about in regional areas? So like if we've got 500K to spend, we could do a new or, or, or perhaps even a, a bluish chip um, regional location. Does, does that sort of change your, your thinking about it? Yeah, it, it does. Like we, we get the question all the time, where would we sort of jump to? I'm not the biggest, like I, I haven't got much experience with the Ballarats or the Geelongs in Victoria. 
but we yeah. have purchased in Queensland. So we've done the, you know, the outer um, Brisbane areas, sort of heading down to the Beanley, Eagleby, um, those sort of pockets. Yep. And to be honest, like we look back and we see where we bought for and the increase, you know, COVID-driven as well with sort of the mass exodus, um, people trying to find some warmer weather has really pushed prices up. But, you know, that's what happened 25 years ago as well. You look back at the data and we had a similar thing. It was a big sort of exodus of Melburnians up there and the prices went up. So, again, it's why we like existing because we can track a bit of history and it's yeah. the only reason why we bought up there. So yeah. we, we knew that the markets were five to six years behind supporting Brisbane, it's still Brisbane, but that, you know, Logan area, and they've done pretty well. So, yep. you know, you can get in there for 350 on a block that you could subdivide. So, yeah, right. yeah they're, they're not, they're, that's a pretty good proposition as well. You've got um, a, a development background, so you, you're acutely aware of how that whole world and how that space um, transacts and, and works. What do we need to know if we are thinking, all right, well, I've decided that I want to go new for whatever reasons. How are the best ways to identify something that does have good potential capital growth? Yeah, so given that that. Um, development background. I'm probably the most negative person around it um, when <laughs> when looking at, at potential purchases. But yeah, the, the key things are just know the developer. Like I'm, it's really hard if there's a good developer that's trying to get through the ranks and prove themselves, but you've just got to go off their history. So what are their reviews like? What have they actually built? So there's a couple of good developers in Melbourne that I know about who will take you through their... Um, they have like an open house of a property that's going to be sold or it's, um, sorry, it's nearly completed. So they'll have these open homes and you get a chance to go and actually look at the properties beforehand rather than just a display suite yep. because the display suite is, you know, it's just the artist impression essentially. It's not actually what's going to be built. So you want to see after the fact. And that's another key thing is some of these guys will sell you on those display suites and in the contracts it'll state you know it can if this product is not available we can um, substitute it for another one that we find yep and they do that on purpose when they're going through their value management process to sort of cut costs so the tile might look similar but it's not the same and it's cheaper and whatever yep. so and then along with the artist impression as well so do these guys actually develop what they say they're going to develop yep and and we know ourselves with with doing depreciation schedules for display homes that pop up from time to time, um, the construction costs are are through the roof because the finishes are so high because it's their brochure, right? Mm. Um, so there's often a, a, a difference between what they're showing and, and what you will actually get. Yeah. Um, what what about when it comes to say things like um, you know houses versus units if we're talking new or big complexes rather than boutique ones? What, what are some of the things we need to look out for if we're looking for you know a growth property yeah and the yeah the number if if any mo like most investors that you would have had on the show would talk about the the land content right so it's, it's yeah. not necessarily the land content like you could have 100 acres 500 kilometers away from a cbd and it you know it doesn't really have much value because there's no need for it or you know there's no um scarcity value there but the closer you get into town, obviously people want to live there and commute and, and, and all of that. So that land price goes up. 
but you just want to get the highest land component that you can afford really like buy the buy the best house that you can or the best unit that you can uh with the with the highest amount of land content so you know that that land to asset ratio is what you just have to work back on your budget so yeah if you're at the five six hundred or even if you're at a million or, or plus yet yeah, what what land can you get um or what's the most expensive land that you can get for your money essentially when people think about units i guess they don't think about land too much in general because we kind of think well land is like the backyard or it's the square meters of the block whereas you're not really getting that with a unit but a unit block is on a block of land, right? So yep. when we think about land um, to asset sort of ratios, um, it's your share of that parcel, right? So if you're in a block of 200 and it's on, say, 2,000 square metres, that's different to, say, a block of eight that's on 1,200 square metres, right? Is that <laughs> yeah, what we exactly. need to be thinking about? Yeah, exactly right. And that's how we, we look at it. When you've got those older style units or flats, they're walk-ups, they might be two or three storeys, but yeah, you could have one that's on a thousand square meters, might have, you know, it might be one of 12. And then next door, you've got one that's got 50 on the same size block. Which one would I buy? I'd 100% buy in the one, um, one of 12. Yes, yep. they might be slightly more expensive, but people get sold on the 50 as well because it's new. It's got all the amenities and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, from our standpoint, why wouldn't you just buy in the 12? You've got the high land component. But then you piggyback onto those high-rise buildings because they might have some retail below it, you know, gym or retail space, and yeah, that's that's sort of our play on it. Yep. And it, it got brought to my attention years ago from some guys that just used to buy up all of these one one and two bedders in their smaller blocks to then sell off to developers. So one of twelve, they might buy them for five hundred each. They go along to a developer and they say, "Hey, I've got this block for twelve million. Do you want to come and get it?" And they you know, double their money because these uh, these blocks can be turned into the fifty or eighty, whatever whatever it is that's going on in the area. Mm, that's in, an interesting strategy, and I think there's there's rule changes around. Um, you know, majority uh, of the block can decide to sell to a developer and that sort of stuff. Not sure if that's a New South Wales or a Victorian thing, but that's. Um, <laughs> That's probably uh, that's probably another episode. Um, uh, there, there's there's certainly um, positive and negative stories on on both sides. I want to focus on the negative of um, new property, and we'll and we will in in balance <laughs> go back to negatives of established. But um, certainly, new property tends to be where the spruikers live, right? You don't hear about a lot of companies that are selling things with margins or, or shady sort of um, incentives in the established space. Have, have you got some stories of people that are buying new that, that they really, it hasn't been a performing asset? Yeah, we, we have, unfortunately. So it's, it is that world, like you just get sold on the, the new, yeah, because it's new, right? Like it's it looks so fresh and yeah. it's got all these brand new finishes and it's in style. It's what you've seen on Instagram. So they're very, very easy to get to get sold on. Um, unfortunately, there's so many hidden costs and I'm not saying like that, that they'll come later, but they're hidden into the, into the actual property price. So there's developer margins, then there's um, commissions and all of this stuff that they throw in there and you just... The, the end purchaser is the one that cops it all. And then when you come along and value it, you're like, oh, this is this is nowhere near worth 
what it actually is being sold for. So the issue or the stories that we've sort of seen are people that have gone and bought these newer buildings and I'm talking high rise stuff. So, you know, one of 50 plus those types of buildings and, you know, they might be 10, 11 stories uh, and they've gone in, they've bought it. It all looks great. There's low lying buildings around. They can see out to the hills and then five years later, all of those blocks in front of them have now been sold and there's high rises going up and that property is unsellable. Like we've got one on, on the market at the moment for a client and it's literally not getting a bite just because of all the construction that's going on around it. Mm. And it's, she's going to be lucky to get them their money back on it. Like it's yeah, just, right. it's a bad situation and it's very unfortunate and a common story. That's, that's the the part that's unfortunate about it because, yeah, it just keeps happening. Mm. And when you say get the money back, I assume that doesn't include stamp duty, opportunity cost and all that sort of stuff, right? So it's, Correct. A, it's, a, it's a very poor investment. Yeah, if you actually peeled it back, you'd probably be losing a ton of money, which, you know, you try to try to avoid looking too much into. Yeah, not an exercise your client um, probably wants you to go through no, exactly. um, with them. It's painful enough. Now, um when, when people sort of talk about the benefits of new property, they, they talk about, you know, low maintenance, depreciation is obviously a big one. With, with established properties, you know, conversely, there can be no deductions available in the original structure. There, there can be maintenance issues. What, what are some of the things that we need to, to look out for when buying an established property? Yeah, there's... That is definitely a negative with the established compared to new. New, yep, sure. If it's been built well, just go straight into it. You get your depreciation schedule. You're on your way for the next seven years. You don't really have to worry about it with the yep. builder's builder's warranty. But yeah, the established, you know, we're buying. Um, uh, it's just over a hundred years. It's a hundred and ten year old property for an investor down here, and it's got a heap of problems. It's got a rusting roof. It's the the back. Uh, structure of the roof is about to cave in there's all of these problems with it but it's it's worth it <laughs> you know it's right. actually worth spending the money on uh it's yeah they're always going to have those maintenance issues especially if they're getting you know 10 years plus you might have to put a water unit in you might have to update the, the heating and now with the rental regulation change here in melbourne or victoria you have to keep on top of those gas appliances or the electrical appliances for the for the tenants. So they are more costly, but it's the capital gains that you're buying it for, right? Like yep. you're not buying it for a tax incentive. It's we're buying it for capital growth and the long term hold. Yeah. I want to know. Um, I'm trying to uh, chuck a metaphor into every episode, and so far it's 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 kind of funny because they're just so terrible. I've come up with um, um, buying a new property is like driving a car off the lot. It can sort of be worth a lot less than what you paid for it, and I guess that that does sort of tie into your um, your your spruker sort of thing because often you know people think that the purchase price or the value of a property is you know uh, the purchase price minus the land is the construction cost and we know for, for a fact that that's not the case because there's all sorts of margins and things hit, uh, that, that are in there um, I also well, I've, I've jotted one down here buying established is going to make you wish you had a warranty uh, that doesn't really work um, <laughs> but that that's that's also the negative right because you don't have the builders um, warranty uh, insurance on an established um, property but is buying new like uh, driving a brand new car off a lot it's, do you think it's pretty good like it's pretty close to it to be honest uh, especially these these high-rise right because 
yeah, it's they just have so many things built into them. It's why the bank, you know, if you sign a contract for 500000 or a million, right, for easy maths, and uh, it's currently in Brisbane, you're probably only going to get 70% valuation right, right. from a bank if you're going for a, for a loan on it. So that means that you've got to fill in the extra three hundred, uh, and that's because of the, all of this, all the built-in crap that they that they put. So you know the banks just they know that there's rental guarantee or that there's builders' margins and commissions up to fifteen percent. So that's why they they devalue it off the contract value. Yeah, and we were talking off air um, about how you often get approached by people saying, "Please." You know, do you want to sell my new stuff and I'll give yeah. you a, an exorbitant clip and, and even I get that stuff as well. Um, let's let's circle round to your, your top tips. Um, so the, the topics obviously, um, you know, should you buy brand new or, or establish? What are your top tips um, for, for whichever direction you want to go in? So, mate, like if we start off with the new Definitely understand who the developer is. If it's a new house and land package or whatever it is, uh, the house and land package scenario, if you're going to buy a lot, like a block, go and buy it yourself from the actual developer, like find out who they are, what they've done before, and you can see it. If it's a developer for a new build, um, like a, a townhouse or something like that, again, go through, see what they've done, ask for their completed projects, ask for testimonials, whatever you need to do to see what these guys have actually built before yep. um yeah just do, just do your research on the established side of things get a building and pest report done so that's probably the biggest component to buying these established is i'm not a builder most of our clients aren't builders or you know i wouldn't say that a, a lot of people out there are buying uh, would have a good understanding of what structural issues are so go and get that done that's probably the, the biggest um sort of call because yeah the agents are going to shy away from those types of issues right so if you get an independent get them to go through it it's well worth the 500 bucks or 600 bucks whatever it might cost you so yeah they're probably the the main ones beautiful so do the research on the builder if you if you're building um new and approach them directly or the developer directly don't go through these um property investment houses that are yeah, just um, the wholesalers, clip yeah. off the top i'll tell you a quick story the worst one that i've ever had yep. was um one that came through in the email saying oh we've just had a new stage release anyone that sells in the next week gets a new gold rolex wow yep i've still got the email i saved it I thought you were going to say, I've still got the Rolex. <laughs> <laughs> no. I wouldn't even know. What's a gold Rolex worth? I think the cheapest Rolex is around about 10 grand, right? Oh, it would have been at least 15, right? Yeah. Plus your commissions. So it was yeah. 5% commission plus a 2% bonus or something like that, plus the Rolex. Yeah, right. So, yeah. Crazy stuff. That is crazy. And if you are buying established, you know, the pest and building, uh, understand sort of what you're buying. So to to, to round it out, um, the question is, should you buy um, old or new? You, you, you've said um, it, you, your budget really drives it, but do, do you have a, a, a private preference that we're, we're possibly about to make public? <laughs> <laughs> Look, yeah, if, I, if I'm buying for myself, I, I would be hard-pressed to go past a, an established property. Yep. Again, it just it really does depend on what it is. But yeah, generally, you know, from our clients' perspective, if they if they're a downsizer and they want to be in their area and they want 
the lifestyle of being in a new apartment, it's totally fine. Like that's okay. But for creating wealth and capital growth, for me, it just sits with the established. Like that's probably what I would go to as my, um, yeah, my go-to. Beautiful, yeah. And um, my call to action today is if you uh, are someone that knows someone that's looking at their next investment property and tossing up whether brand new or established, uh, flick this through to them because James has uh, shared some absolute gold. Thank you for joining us again, uh, James. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks, Mike. Cheers.